0: I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I want to look at what it means to really make a difference in someone else's life. In a time like this, when the world is in crisis, it's so easy to just focus on ourselves and our own needs and our own self-protection, but it's really been on my heart to maintain an outward focus and to encourage the body of Christ to do the same. So we're going to look at that today. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you about our upcoming Set Apart Conference. It's going to be a little different this year. It'll be a very special online event. And it's, the dates are June 5th through 7th. We're actually looking at expanding and adding a few bonus days on since we can't do the live event this year. But if you go to setapartgirl.com, you can find out all about how to join us for this really special weekend where we're going to be focusing on sacred living, cultivating a passionate devotion to Jesus Christ. So if you are hungry for just that spiritual supercharge to your, your Christian walk, I hope you'll join us. It's great for women of all ages. You can host a group in your home once they start allowing that again, or you can just stream it to your own computer. And if you join us for a simulcast for this online event, you'll have access to the sessions all year long. So if you want to host a larger group, once things start to open up a little bit more, you can also plan for that. So go to setapartgirl.com to learn more. I'm really excited about this event. So let's dive into what does it really mean to make a difference in someone else's life? I think a lot of us have the wrong idea about how to really make an impact. And we think that we have to be all put together and very articulate and have all these special qualifications to make a lasting difference in someone else's life. I know for me, looking back over the past 25, 30 years of ministry, it's when I felt the weakest, when I felt that I had the least to offer people that I usually had the greatest impact. And that was because I was out of the way. I was allowing God to do the work through me, and I realized that I couldn't do it in my own strength. I think a lot of times when we feel qualified, we feel like we have all these brilliant things to share and to say, we really get in the way of the Spirit of God working through us. But when we realize our own ineffectiveness and And we say, Lord, I'm just a tool. I am a vessel. I want you to work through me. I want to get out of the way so that others would see you. That's when God can really work through our lives. And I've shared this story before. But my first real experience with speaking publicly happened when I was about 17, and I was asked to share my testimony at a mother-daughter tea at a local church. And originally, they had given me 30 minutes to speak, but then a couple days before the event, they reduced my time to four minutes. And that was really awkward, because what do you say in four minutes? And I almost backed out of the whole thing, but I really felt like God was asking me to use those four minutes for His glory. So I said, okay, Lord, there's not much I can do in four minutes to impress them or to be funny or to really, you know, have them remember me. But how do you want to use those four minutes to to share your truth with these young women? So I memorized my speech. And I got it down to four minutes. And really, there was nothing fancy about it. Just I just got it there, shared some... Pretty bold truth, I wasn't able to tell a bunch of jokes or get the audience to really like me, but because I dedicated those four minutes to God, it made such a huge impact to those that heard that message. And I know they weren't impressed with me, but because I had laid down sort of that desire to impress and said, okay, Lord, you just take over, I feel like that was really what made the difference. It's really easy to let insecurity get in our way. And really, insecurity is focusing so much on our own inability rather than God's ability to do His work through us. We need to remember that God does not look at success the way that we do. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 1.27 that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty so that no flesh should glory in His presence. And that's a really interesting verse to remind us it's not about us. It's all about him. And we need to not get in between God and his glory by trying to impress the world with what we have to offer. Oswald Chambers said that God does not call us to success, but to faithfulness. And I love that. That is such a freeing statement that we're not to worry about success, but just being faithful to what God's put in front of us to do. Reaching others, making a difference in other people's lives is not about our impressive skill or our ability to achieve success or our ability to always say the right thing and make everybody like us. It's simply our willingness to become a vessel in His hand and to get out of the way and let Him be seen. We need to remember the disciples were mostly uneducated fishermen, nothing impressive by the way. World standards. And all the way back when I was 17 years old, God had to show me that in ministry, it wasn't about me. It was about Him. And Whenever I felt the least impressive looking back over the past 25 or 30 years like I said is usually when the biggest impact has been made. Now obviously we want to be diligent and excellent in whatever God calls us to, but we need to also leave the result up to him and not let our insecurities stand in the way of looking to make a difference in other people's lives. Gladys Aylward was one of the most impactful and successful missionaries that has has ever been, really, in what she did for China. And she was just an uneducated parlor maid. And at the end of her life, she said this, I wasn't God's first choice for what I've done for China. I don't know who it was. A man, maybe a well-educated man, maybe he died, maybe he wasn't willing. And God looked down and saw Gladys Lord and said, Well, she's willing. And I think that's really, really a great statement. We look at these heroes of history and we often think, wow, they were such amazing people, but really they were just willing people. They were not seeking to make a huge big splash and go down in history. They were just being faithful with what God put in front of them to do. And so I encourage you today, the first step in making a difference in other people's lives is not to look to some huge big impressive thing that you can do. You know a lot of us think oh I'm going to make a difference for God when I can finally get to Africa and start an orphanage or finally go to this place and lead revival meetings and we fail to realize that often there are opportunities sitting right in front of us in everyday life right in our own homes that God wants us to be faithful in cultivating before he can entrust us with more. So don't look ahead and think unless it's big and huge and impressive I can't really make a difference. I remember hearing Jackie Pullinger, who was a missionary to the walled city of Hong Kong, go through the alleys and and see these men who had been on heroin for 50 years and they were wasting away. And she said to God, it would be worth my whole life if I could just reach one of these old men for your glory, Lord. And that's having the right perspective to understand that to God, it's not about numbers. It's not about something that the world applauds. He values every single life, even if that's a life that nobody else deems very important. It's very important to Him. And so we just need to be faithful and willing to pour out for those that are right in front of us and not let our own insecurities get in the way. I want to share with you three ways that you can start preparing right now to make a difference in others' lives. And one thing that I want to say before I go through those three ways is to look around you at the world and how things are changing, because with the crisis, with the turmoil that all of us have walked through, no matter really what country we're living in, we have experienced this type of turmoil and crisis that has come through the pandemic, the world is more hungry and more open to truth than they have been in a long time because of the fear, because of the uncertainty. And the question that I would like all of us to ask is, are we really preparing our hearts to respond? Or are we just focused on our own, our own situation, our own self-protection? I think that if we have an outward focus, if we are beginning to ask God to prepare us to make a difference, and if we're utilizing the opportunities, taking advantage of the opportunities and the open doors that are right in front of us, even if they don't seem very impressive by worldly standards, then God will work uh, work through us powerfully to build His kingdom. So keep that in mind. This is all preparation. Right now, it may just be ministering to somebody in your in your home, or who you're quarantined with, or someone that you have you know close relationship with that you can reach out to digitally, but as you are faithful with those things, you need to remember that the world is going to come out of this crisis probably hungrier for truth than they've been in a long time, and as you prepare your heart right now, you'll be so much more ready to respond as the bigger opportunities open up. So three ways that you can begin to prepare to make a difference in other people's lives. And the first one is to let God purify your motives. This is what I feel like God was doing in my life when He gave me that opportunity to speak for only four minutes, because I really had to get out of the way it couldn't be about me in those four minutes it had to be about Him. I've known a lot of people who have gotten into ministry for the wrong reasons. They want to have that sense of, hey, I'm doing something good with my life, or they want to impress other people with all the good works that they're doing it really is easy to step into outreach, missions, ministry work for the wrong reasons, for selfish reasons. We want personal fulfillment. We want earthly applause. We want a sense of doing something good. But really, before we can be effective in ministry, we have to first lay everything on the altar, our need for recognition and applause, our reputation, or even our right to do the kind of ministry that we might prefer. We might not want to minister to our younger siblings in the home or to our, our immediate immediate family, We, we might want to go to Haiti and do something a lot more impressive, but God might be saying, "'Are you willing to do whatever I call you to do?' even if it's not the kind of ministry that you would have chosen for yourself. Eric and I have talked to so many ministry leaders and missionaries from all over the world, and they have told us that it is so unusual to find workers, to come join them who are really just cheerfully willing to do whatever needs to be done. If that's you know, scrubbing dishes, if that's changing diapers, if that's doing manual computer work that is very tedious, so many Christians come to the mission field or step into ministry with this Extreme checklist of you know if it doesn't fit my personality, I took this personality test and hey you know this is the this is the kind of work I'm made for and if it doesn't fit that grid, then I'm not willing to do it. You don't see that in Scripture though. You see that poured out life, that willingness to say I will take the lowest place. You now, I can't really think of anyone who would choose foot washing as their chosen means of ministry work. You know, let me wipe the dirt and the dust and the grime off of people's feet, and yet Jesus bent his knee and washed his disciples' feet as an example to all of us? Are we willing to take that lowest place just like he did? And when we have the wrong motives and we're trying to make a difference in this world, when we're doing it for selfish reasons or we have specific expectations that maybe aren't being met, we are very tempted to give up really quickly. And I know for me, the first few years that I was in ministry, it's not necessarily like I stepped into ministry for selfish reasons, but my expectations were that it would be a fun, exciting experience. And it really was not a fun, exciting experience. It was a, a very traumatic, very crisis-oriented experience that involved a lot of disappointment and a lot of suffering. And I wasn't ready for that. My expectations were something very different. And I almost gave up. I remember a specific time that I said, you know what, I think I'm done. This isn't what I was hoping for. And I want to walk away from this. And right around that time, I got a letter from a young woman who said, please don't ever give up this ministry you're making such a difference in people's lives and it it really caused me to ask myself why am i doing this in the first place am i am i doing it for my own happiness am i doing it for my own comfort Or am I doing it to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ, even if it brings me through some discomfort along the way? When we answer that simple question, it can put everything in perspective. It can give us the strength and the courage to to keep going when we feel like giving up. So let God purify your motives before you step into any kind of ministry, even if it's just mentoring someone or encouraging someone or sharing the gospel with someone. Let Him really purify your motives and go through that soul exercise of saying. Lord, this is not about me. It's about your glory. And no matter what the outcome is, Jesus is the lamb who was slain and he is worthy to receive the reward of his suffering. The second practical is to offer your fishes and loaves. That means starting where you're at today. You may not feel like you have an opportunity to make a big difference in the world. But again, those those heroes of the faith that that I most look up to, they were not setting out to do something big or exciting. They were simply being obedient with what God put right in front of them to do. Ministry is not always big or glamorous. People so often you know, think that Eric and I, because we travel and we write books, we just have this amazing life. And actually, they're there's just so much that goes on behind the scenes. There's attack, there's hardship, there's discomfort, there's so much, so much challenge that goes along with making a difference in someone else's life. And if you are getting into it, expecting it to be exciting and glamorous, you're going to be sorely disappointed. In fact, if you're in ministry and it is glamorous, something is probably wrong with your kind of ministry. Again, most of our missionary heroes didn't start out with this idea that they're going to make history. They were saying, Lord, I'm pouring out my life for you. Elizabeth Fry is a great example of this. She was a Quaker woman who basically transformed the entire prison system in all of Europe. But the way that her ministry began was just walking to her local prison and visiting with these women and beginning to try to make their lives a little more comfortable and encourage them. And God was the one who continued to entrust her with more. What opportunities are sitting in front of you right now? Offer what you have to God. Be faithful with what he's put in front of you and let him multiply it in his own time, his own way. That's what he does with the fishes and loaves. We we take what we have to him and say, Lord, this isn't much, but I'm giving it to you to use for your glory. And that is a prayer he loves to answer. So can you reach out to a family member and begin investing into their lives? Can you minister to a hurting neighbor? Can you reach out to a younger person in your in your church? Ask him to open your eyes to the opportunities that are sitting in front of you and and be faithful with the little, and He will entrust you with more. Our our goal, our ultimate goal in ministry is not to be able to post on social media all the great things that we're doing or have people give us some kind of award, but to live out the words of Matthew 25, 23, where Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. And I know that What what an incredible goal to live for or an incredible dream to live for is to cross the threshold of heaven one day and hear the words of our King, well done, good and faithful servant. That needs to be what we're living for, not the applause of this world. So we have letting God purify your motives, offer your fishes and loaves, be faithful to what's right in front of you today. And the third practical is to become a spiritual athlete. Now that really boils down to not expecting... It to be easy. If you want to make a difference in someone else's life, there is going to be difficulty along the way. I remember one time hearing a workout instructor say, Don't expect these workouts to be easy because easy does not bring results. Isn't that so true in so many other areas of life? And often we step into ministry, or we step into ministering to another person, investing into another person's life, expecting a picnic instead of a battlefield. I see this a lot in people who want to be a mentor. They want to lead a small group, or they want to just be a mentor to somebody younger than them, and they they have this idea of like meeting at a coffee shop and just kind of talking about ideas and being a lovable life coach to this person, and they expect it to be a picnic. But the reality is when when you are planning on sharing the gospel or speaking truth in a life-changing way into someone's life, you have to get into the mindset of being a spiritual athlete. It is not supposed to be easy. It is not supposed to be a picnic. A picnic does not bring life-changing results. And really, when you're you're fighting on behalf of another soul, you are entering a battlefield, and you need to be aware of that. When it comes to ministry— making a difference in the lives of others, and even just living out the Christian life. It is not ease that we should seek, but grace. God's amazing grace can equip us to joyfully handle weights that we never could handle on our own. And that's really what being a spiritual athlete is all about. It's applying God's enabling grace to every challenge that we face rather than just caving at the first sign of difficulty. Eric and I have had to learn that principle of rising up to become spiritual athletes so many times over in our ministry Because that fleshly part of us wants to say, hey, this is more than we bargained for. This is hard. We shouldn't have to walk through all of this. And then we remember, really, easy does not bring life-changing results. We're not looking to just sort of give people a pat on the back and be a cheerleader. We're looking for changed lives. And that is... Difficult, and that means entering a battlefield. So, becoming a spiritual athlete means counting the cost, taking up our cross, and following the narrow self-sacrificing way of our Lord, enabled and empowered by His grace. So, here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you: making a difference in other people's lives is something that every single one of us can do no matter what season we're in, even from a point of isolation. We live in a world where we can reach out to other people, even when we're isolated. And as we begin to let God make us ready, we will be able to take advantage of that hunger for truth that is beginning to grow in the world around us. So be sure that as you are navigating these days, you are not just wasting this time, but you're letting God prepare you to truly make an eternal difference in other people's lives is if you are not reaching them with the hope and the light and the truth of Jesus Christ, who is. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. To take these truths deeper, I encourage you to visit us at setapartgirl.com where we have loads of resources for you on living a Christ-centered life. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-focused week.